Jeremiah chapter number three. Uh, go down to verse number 15, and we'll continue on our study of what is the church. And we looked at the office of the pastor last Sunday and dealt with the qualifications. And tonight we're going to deal with the pastor being a concerned man or a man of concern. Look down at verse number 15 of Jeremiah chapter number three. If you're there, say, man, we'll be here and we'll be in a few other chapters in the New Testament tonight. But look at verse number 15. It said, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we sure are grateful tonight. Lord, just to be in your house. Lord, thank you for the times, Lord, where you just slow us down for a little bit. God, we, we bless your name. We praise you. We thank you. Lord, we share our praises with those that are in the church with us. Lord, it's oftentimes what we don't realize, Lord, not only are we giving you praise, God, we're passing on encouragement. Lord, because there's sometimes, Lord, we can't raise our hand because, Lord, we're right in the middle of the storm. We're right in the middle of the trial. We're right in the middle of the valley. And Lord, it's those simple words of praise from somebody else who said, I just made it through or I've made it through before is, Lord, just enough to help us continue on. We thank you, Lord, tonight, Lord, that you are a God of the valley. You're a God of the fire. You're the God of the storm. God, you're the God of the trial. Lord, you're not just on the outside looking in, but Lord, you are with us. You said you never leave us nor forsake us. And God, you've kept that true in my life. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just hide behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, help me to preach this subject, God. Lord, unbiased, Lord, without shame tonight, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for your word, God. It is, it is correct, it is true, whether it's me preaching it or anybody else. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just use me for your glory. Lord, we love you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Jeremiah chapter three, is a, it's an interesting chapter. He goes on into chapter four too. And God is almost in a sense pleading with Israel to return, to come back to him. And he's, he's called them, uh, he's, he's not necessarily called them names, but he's, he's dealt with them. He said, you are like a wife to me and, and you've left me and you've dealt treacherously with me. And he said, if you'll just return, I'm glad tonight that God hasn't changed that call to those who walk away from him. For those who backslide, for those who get out of the will of God, God has a call for you and it is to come back. Why? He loves you. He died for you. He gave his life for you. He purchased you. He redeemed you not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with his own precious blood. And so when you and I walk away, he has one call to us and that is to return. And he tells the nation of Israel, he said, hey, listen, if you return unto me and you, you come back to me, verse number 15, I will give you pastors. Not after your heart, and not even after their heart, he said, according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Let me ask you tonight, what is the main responsibility of a pastor? What is, what is the main responsibility of a pastor? And you see it over and over and over again, and there's this phrase, it is feed the flock. Right, or, or to feed those that are with you or around you. And we look at it in First Peter and Hebrews as well, but there's this command to feed. Three times Jesus told uh, Peter there on, on the seaside, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Feed them with what? The word of God. And here's the interesting thing. That word feed is not necessarily the understanding of taking something and putting it right up to their mouth and, 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 or in essence putting it in their mouth and, and making sure it gets in there, but rather it gives us the understanding of a shepherd leading a flock out to the pasture and that they have put them in a place that is, that is, uh, that is available to them. Uh, all the food they could ever want is there. They have 
They have put them in a place and, and, and they have taught them how to eat. In essence, tonight, I, I can do everything tonight except make you eat. I said, I can do anything and everything but that tonight. But notice here he said that I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. With knowledge, that's the know-how or how to do something. In essence, tonight, the role of the pastor, the main responsibility of the pastor is to feed you truth from the word of God that gives you the knowledge so you'll know what to do and how to do it and where to do it and why you do it. But then he said, with not just knowledge, but with understanding. That means to be circumspect, to see the bigger picture. In essence, as the man of God preaches, not only should he give you knowledge on how to live the Christian life, but help you realize the Christian life is a whole lot bigger than you. It's a whole lot bigger than us. It is, it is for God Almighty, the objective of preaching is to give you the know-how on living the Christian life and at the same time helping you understand that the Christian life is bigger than you. We realize tonight that though preaching may be the pastor's greatest responsibility, that is to come and to, to preach the word of God to the flock that God has put before him. And I have an issue with a pastor who's not wanting to preach and not wanting to feed the flock of God that is among him. Can I say that is the main responsibility? You say, well, I don't want to do that. Well, then don't pastor. Don't preach. Though preaching may be the pastor's greatest responsibility, it's not his only concern. Right, it's not his only response. It's the main one, but it's not the only one. And you think about this, and we'll look at this multiple times tonight, this analogy of a shepherd in a flock, in a flock of sheep. And now the Bible calls the pastor, he's not the, the chief shepherd, but he is the under shepherd. In essence, tonight, y'all aren't my sheep. You're God's sheep. <laughs> and so tonight, really, I, I was, the pastor will stand accountable to God for how he treats the sheep. But we'll see here tonight, not only is that account of how he treats them, but how he feeds them, but also his concern for them. His concern for them. A pastor shouldn't just feed the flock, but he should also be concerned with the flock or concerned for the flock. The shepherd and sheep tonight, the, the feeding isn't the only thing. Right? If you've ever had an animal, you realize that the only thing, you, you are, you're, you're more than required just to feed them. But if you don't, you ain't going to have sheep very long. That sheep ain't moved in three weeks. When's the last time you fed them? Four weeks ago. There's a reason for that. And so they, they go hand in hand. They play off of each other, right? You feed them, but at the same time, you're concerned for them. I've got dogs, right? And, and, I, and, and you're supposed to feed them and bathe them and give them shots and give them medicine and play games with them and teach them how to do tricks and all that kind of stuff. But if all you do is feed them and you have no concern for them, right? They're, they're not gonna learn any of those things. And we see here tonight, and when it comes to the church, the pastor is to feed the flock, but at the same time to be concerned with them or to watch out for them. Churches that put the emphasis on anything but the preaching of God's word, it's a road to death. Churches aren't built on dynamic personalities. Churches aren't built on, on great singing. And boy, do we have a good choir, don't we? Some of we were, someone said it today, that choir, y'all's choir is loud. That's how I like it. <laughs> don't give me no quiet choir. 
Somebody asked me, y'all ever going to do a cantata? I said, no idea what that is. <laughs> Sounds like a sword. <laughs> but listen, we're going to, this church is going to be built on preaching. I'm going to set the example of it. I'm gonna, uh, in essence, to, tonight, I don't think there's been a service where I thought, boy, I hope I don't get preached tonight. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Why? God done gave me something. God done, God done showed up in my study and God done took his word and made it real to me and gave me something to help you. Why would I sit over there and say, I don't want to share that. Well, I can't wait to say that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that tonight. And any church that, that takes this and puts it back here somewhere, mark it down, sooner or later it's going to die. Or sooner or later it's going to cease to exist to be a biblical church. So churches that put an emphasis on anything but the preaching of God's word are on a road to death. In essence, they remove that main responsibility from the pastor to feed the flock. Mark it down. It's not going to last long. Just like tonight, if you were raising sheep and you took their feed bucket and you put it somewhere else because, you know, it's old-fashioned, it's old-timey, it's not with the times, we're going to set this over here, them sheep going to starve to death. The same thing is going to happen to a church. We're going to see not only should a man feed the flock, but he ought to be concerned for the flock. The pastor shouldn't just be a qualified man, but he should be a concerned man as well. Take your Bibles, turn them open to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I've got two points for you tonight. Very relatively simple. And last week I preached for almost an hour on the qualifications of a pastor. And there wasn't so many qualifications, it would have went quicker. But I'm glad God knows what he's doing, amen? First Peter chapter five, look at verse one. The elders which are among you, I exhort, whom also an elder, this is Peter speaking, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples or examples to the flock when the chief shepherd shall, excuse me, shall appear. You shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So number one tonight, a concerned man is not a controlling man. A concerned man is not a controlling man. And once again, we see it again, not to feed the flock of God. It's not the pastor's flock, it's God's flock. He's the chief shepherd, that's the Lord. Now, the Bible says, which is among you? That means the church that God has called the pastor to. Now, there's some men who disagree with me on this, and that's their, that's prerog that's their prerogative, that's their decision, that's their idea. I'm not going to chase them down. I'm not going to beat them up. I'm not going to try my best to change their mind. I just know what God has placed in my heart. I think the pastor of the church ought to preach regularly at the church he pastors. I have purpose in my heart, and it's something God's put in my heart. I have no desire to preach anywhere else on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, or a Wednesday night than right here. Men have called me and asked me, hey, can you come? I'm going to be out of, out of town. Can you come preach for me Wednesday night? I thought about it. I said, why don't you just send your people over our way? It just makes more sense to me that way. Or, you know, hey, can you come preach for me on Sunday morning? I'm sorry, I can't. God's already given me a place to preach. Where? South Haven Baptist Church. 
Now, we're on vacation. That's different, different things like that. But you can go look at my calendar in there. Right now, you won't find out any Sunday in there that I'm scheduled to preach anywhere else. You will find a whole lot of scribbles on there from Shiloh. But God's put in my heart. He put me here. So if I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach here. And if I'm going to preach out somewhere, it's not going to interfere with what's going on here. Because this is where God has called me to pastor. Right? And a concerned man, but a concerned man is not a controlling man. Right? He doesn't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong for a pastor to preach out. I'm just not for a pastor consistently missing his church to preach at other churches. The pastors will take the oversight thereof. And if you're never here, how can you see what's going on? If you're never present, how can you know what's going on? That word oversight, right? A lot of times men will take that verse and take that word right there in verse number two, taking the oversight thereof and being take control of it. Right? Take control. That word oversight means to look upon, to look after, to care for. Right? Takes oversight thereof. What? The flock. The flock of God that God has placed, the church that God has placed them in. This oversight isn't by force. It's not by constraint. Right? The word constraint or by force means through control. It's, it gives you the image of, <laughs> just like when those, those police officers, you ever watch cops, they don't hold that man's hand and just take him to the patrol car, do they? No, they put his hands behind his back and <laughs> they, they come to Wednesday or uh, Summer of Scriptures and borrow handcuffs from us <laughs> and put them behind his back and they take control of the situation. Right, the Bible says the man of God is not to have that mentality. He is not to take control of the church. In essence, he is, he's calling the shots. He is, he is in control of everything. And why would a man do that? Because it's easier in their mind. If I'm controlling everything, I know what's going on, and there's no, I, I can fix everything. The oversight isn't by force, right? It's not through control. And here's the thing. Mark this down. How a man gets to the pulpit is what he has to do to keep the pulpit. If he's got to fight the deacon board, he's got to fight everybody and, 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 and connive his way in there, he'll have to do it the whole time he's the pastor of the church. What you, they said it this way in Bible college. What you do to get people is what you'll have to do to keep them. And can I say what the man does to get right here, he'll have to do to keep the pulpit. If he just lets God place him there, then he knows that God is the one that put him there. Can I say tonight, as the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church, God's placed me here. He's put me here. It was not my choice. It was not something that I was like, you know what, 10 years down the road, I'm going to work my way in there. <laughs> I remember graduating Bible college, and I wanted to do something for God, but I was scared, scared to death the pastor. I heard all the stories, and I heard all of that, and, uh, and true stories. And man, it scared me to death. Lord, let me go into the middle of nowhere and start a church in a, in, a, in a foreign country. Lord, they don't even speak my language, but they don't know how church people operate. <laughs> here I am tonight. Preacher, how'd you get? God put me here. God put me. I didn't go to Brother Rochester and say, hey, I think it's time for me to start pastoring here. <laughs> I found on us, when y'all found out I was gonna be the next pastor, I'd found out 30 minutes before you. We was all in this thing to get. My wife found out the same time y'all found out. <laughs> I'll never do that again. <laughs> now watch this. If he allows God to place him there, then he can trust the Lord to keep him there. If he has to fight to get there, he'll fight to stay there. I'm a firm believer. God's placed me here. And I, it's one of those things that, listen, I love being the pastor. I'm not running away. I ain't scared of no wolves. 
I'm going to stand on the authority of God's word. I'm gonna, if, if wickedness pops its head up, heresy pops its head up, listen, I, I'm not afraid to take it on. I've got God's word. But I will not get into a fight with church people. <laughs> I, I, will, I will, Lord, you know what's going on here. And Lord, you may not want me out, but Lord, for the safety of my family, and Lord, for the safety of my testimony. Lord, if that's what it comes now, I don't, I have no inkling of that going that way tonight. I love y'all, y'all love me. That's the way it ought to be, amen? It's the way it ought to be. And last time I, I'm not forced to love y'all. Right? I, don't, I don't come in here and say, oh, I gotta shake their hand. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta rejoice that God's working in their life. I love coming here. I get excited. I don't know who's more excited to come to church on Sundays, me or Shiloh. I say, Shiloh, you want to go to church? She'll say, yes. But the oversight isn't for, no, we see tonight that it's not by constraint. Right? And unfortunately, now you hang out here long enough, you visit enough churches, you'll find out that not every church operates the way we do. Not every church has the liberty that we have. It is a control battle. It is, it is, in essence, it's a chess game between the pulpit and the pew. It's a battle between the two. They're fighting for control. And here's the thing tonight. I'm not to control this place, neither are you. Who is God? It's his, we're his flock. He, he, he calls the shots tonight. Oversight isn't by constraint, right? In essence, a concerned man is not a controlling man. Right, the oversight isn't for financial gain. Right, if you go down there in verse number two again, not for filth, filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Miss Lola came to me last, last week after preaching an hour. She said, preacher, thank you for preaching that. I had no idea what the word filthy lucre meant. I went back and looked at my notes. I didn't even define it. <laughs> I just mentioned it, and I, and I mentioned what it was about, about that desire for money. That's just oversight isn't for financial gain or filthy Lucre, the pastor ought not to be a stepping stone, right? We understand in, in, in society, on the job side, in the, in the business world, that everybody's trying to climb up a ladder from the small to the big. Can I say tonight, the pastor ought not to be that way. It ought not to be, well, I'll be here for a few years, I'll build my resume up, and when the big Baptist church calls, I'm going. It ought not to be that way, but unfortunately, in a lot of places, it is. You pay your dues, and you, and you work your way up the ladder. You, you begin to know the right people and you begin to fellowship with the right people and you begin to rub elbows with the right people and all of a sudden that big pastor knows of another church looking for a pastor. Are you interested? Can I say that's not how it's supposed to be? I, I believe tonight, and this might just be my thinking, I believe when God calls a man to a church, his desire ought to be there for the rest of his life. It ought to be there for the rest of his life. Now, understand and God changed. I understand that tonight. But he ought to come into it saying, I will be here to the rest of my life. And here's what I've taken note of, just an observation. Men who have been pastoring places for over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, gave their whole life to a place, all those churches seem to be doing well. They seem to be solid and grounded and founded. We were just talking about this the other day, talking about Brother Mike Landrum. The men that have come out of that church, started churches, faithful, helping, solid on the word of God. Can I say if God gives me 47 years here, that's what I want to see. I want to get up front behind the pulpit when I'm 75 years old and tell you everything I don't care about. But for you to know that man stands on the word of God, 
He ain't wavered. He ain't stopped. He ain't slowed down. A heart attack couldn't even kill him. The oversight isn't for financial gain. That's not for filthy lucre. The oversight is for the benefit of the flock. Look at verse number three. Neither as being lords of God's heritage, but being examples or examples to the flock. The church is the Lord, not the pastor. The pastor who controls will be more interested in what they can get out of the church than what God desires out of the church. In essence, tonight, the pastor, he is to be a, a concerned man. In essence, and it's not for control, but he ought to be concerned enough about the flock that he leads them in the right direction. I'm not going to be a perfect man. I, I'm not going to have it all figured out. I, they're going to come to me. <laughs> There's going to be times where you're going to ask me a question, and I'm just going to stare back at you. Preacher, what you got to say? I don't know yet. <laughs> Give me six months. I'll try to figure it out. But at the same time, I firmly believe the pastor ought to be the example. He ought to set the standard. He ought to set the bar, so to speak. He ought to strive for the best. And it's not, it should never become, well, pastor, that's just for you. Right? Anything that I'm willing to expect out of myself, I should be able to expect out of you. And anything you're willing to expect out of me, you should be willing to expect out of yourself. You, well, preacher, you ought to read your Bible for six hours a day. You too. Preacher, you ought to pray without ceasing. You ought to get up at 2 o'clock every morning, pray until 8 o'clock in the morning, skip breakfast and go back to praying. You too. <laughs> right? That's, and a lot of times, listen, I understand that being a pastor carries a, a, a very heavy weight with it, very heavy burden. Because if I were to fall and if I were to quit, I, I were to give up, it's not just me that it affects. If you've ever been in a church where there was immorality, there was issues with the pastor, you know how hard that is. You know how discouraging that is. You know how you sit back and you think, God put a man in that place to lead me and to teach me. And look what he taught me. It's a hard thing to swallow. Uh, and, and it's a hard thing to figure out sometimes. I should have kept my glasses on. I got a big spot right there now. But a concerned man is not a controlling man. Listen, if you start to attend a church one day and that man is controlling you, and he, he, he is all about what's, what's in your money or what, what's in your wallet and, 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 and how come you haven't given this and how come you haven't done that, I, I can firmly attest to it tonight. I've never walked up to one person in this church and said, <clears throat> see that you... Uh, Cut your missions by, by, by $20. What's wrong with that? <clears throat> Where's your tithe envelope at? Because your giving ain't between me and you. It's between you and God. Will a man rob God? <laughs> All I got to do is say, now, is you giving as God wants you to give tonight? Not as much as the preacher does. But it's not about control. I'm not going to show up at your house and inventory your refrigerator every day. I'm not going to check your vacation bags before you go to vacation and see what kind of clothes you're going to wear on vacation at the beach. I'm not going to control your life. Now, I will warn you, 
I'm concerned for you. I, I, listen, I'll, I will deal with those. The pastor ought to deal with those things as far as dress and as far as modesty and as far as being truthful and honest and, 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 and not partaking in evil things and fleeing from the appearance of evil and not drinking alcohol and not doing drugs and not watching pornography. Listen, a pastor ought to preach on those things. But I, it's not, I, I, listen, if I'm doing everything for you, guess what you're not doing? Living the Christian life. It's a personal thing. Number one, a concerned man is not a controlling man. But notice number two tonight, a concerned man is a watchful man. A concerned man is a watchful man. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. <laughs> Fixing to read you a whole lot of words that our flesh don't like. Hebrews 13, 17. If you're there, say amen. If you're still awake, say glory. <laughs> if you're cutting your toenails... See if I catch somebody. Look at verse number seven. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Once I said, this verse is full of words our flesh don't like. Obey, rule, authority, submit, give an account, accountability, but in essence, you take obedience, you take authority, you take submission, you take accountability out of the Christian life, you ain't going to have much of a Christian life. Those things, aren't, those things aren't suggestions in the Christian life. They are needs, they're instructions, commands in the Christian life. We are commanded to obey. We are commanded to uh, sit and submit ourselves under the authority that God has placed in our life. We are commanded to, to be accountable to what God has given us. See, that's why we, you deal with the qualifications first, right? That's why the qualifications from last week are so vital. That's why you don't just bring a man in who preaches well. But you sit down, you look at his life, you look at his example, you look at his history, his testimony. And a man who meets those qualifications or a man who's striving to meet those qualifications has a sincere desire, I guarantee you he will be a good pastor. Why? Why, preacher? Not because he preaches well, not because he has a great personality, but he understands his role. He understands his position. He understands what God is calling him to, and he takes it serious. And so he's not coming in here to get a pat on the back. He's not coming in here to, to build up his repertoire. He's coming in to the church to pastor and to watch over the people. And God says, when God gives you that kind of man, you're to obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves now, that doesn't mean you can't ask me questions. That doesn't mean you, can bring, you can't bring your concerns to the pastor, right? Because once again, I'm not the dictator here. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a man that God has placed in the position of leadership here. And can I say, I've learned that when people raise questions that are genuinely looking for an answer, typically they're good questions. Typically they're things I haven't thought about, right? I haven't given concern about. So this is why qualifications from last week are so vital. A man who meets these qualifications will be a watchful pastor. That word rule over doesn't mean to control. right? It doesn't mean to force yourself. It means to lead and to lead with authority. To know what you believe, why you believe, and this is why we do it. It means to submit, that next word, submit yourselves. So, so who am I supposed to submit? Those who are leading the following of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Submit yourself, to put yourself under the authority of another. And can I say, and it's interesting, God always, whether it's the home, whether it's the church, whether it's society, 
He mentions over and over and over again that we are to submit to the authority in our life. And how many of that's the one thing we struggle with sometimes? More often than not, we, deal with, we struggle with submitting to the authority. Oh, preacher, I have no, I have no problems submitting to the, the police officer. I have no problems submitting to my pastor and to my, 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 my husband. I have no problems submitting to the authority of my life, preacher. How many times do we struggle submitting to God? <laughs> He'll say, hey, don't do that. But Lord, don't you know how, how, how good that is? Don't you know how fun that looks? Submit yourselves to put yourself under the authority of another. That word obey means to follow and to perform the task given to you. Right? Obey them that have the rule over you. Those that are leading you. Those uh, that, are, that are concerned for you. They're, they're watching out for you. That word watch right there in verse number 17. For they watch for your souls. They watch for your souls. Now, these are just regular glasses. I don't, there's no special technology in here. There's no spiritual gift in here that I can see your soul. But oftentimes, since I've been pastor, there's times where I can see something off there. There's something that just don't seem right. There's been times, it's amazing to me how many times I've had to talk to somebody, or I went to go talk to somebody, and I thought, man, when I get done with this conversation, they're going to hate me. They're going to drag half the church out with them. There's going to be church split. And I just simply say, hey, listen, I, I got to talk to you about something. And with a heart of love, correct, and a heart of love, point out an issue. And can I say, out of all those times, <laughs> there's only been one time where that person got mad at me and walked out of here. And to be honest with you, I don't think that person was saved. I don't think they knew the Lord. And I, I was dealing with a, a big issue in their life. And I, I, I pretty much told them, your lifestyle's wrong. What you're choosing to do isn't right. And he said, if you loved me, you wouldn't say that. Sent me a, a nice text message the next day. Sent me a paragraph. Boiled down to, if you loved me, you wouldn't have told me that. And I said, because I love you, I told you that. Because it's not right. Not according to my opinion, not according to what I thought, but according to the word of God. The watch is, is tied to this accountability. And see, that, that word watch isn't just a mere observation. It's not just like, oh, okay, cool, I'm, I'm watching. It literally means to, to be sleepless, to be kept awake, to keep watch. <laughs> I still remember the night that I, I worked my last day at the cabinet shop. And I was starting here full time. I, I don't think I slept because I didn't know what in the world I was getting myself into. And can I say there's been some nights that I know there's burdens and I know there's problems and I, I know there's issues and, and there's, you can see the, the far country getting to draw an appeal in somebody's life and I just can't sleep about it. Or I struggle with my sleep. I wake up thinking about that person thinking about that situation. Ask God to help them. Ask God to move. And I've just learned when God wakes me up, there's probably something I need to pray for. Probably someone I need to do. And sometimes it's not, I wonder who I'm supposed to pray for. It's on my heart. A pastor is to be concerned for the people. He's to watch over their souls. That watch is tied to accountability. The pastor 
uh, won't give an account for a lot of things, but he will give an account for how he watched over God's flock. And can I say tonight, that's not an accountability that you're going to answer to. Last time I checked, there ain't but one pastor at South Haven Baptist Church. And I'm going to give an account on that. It's not something I take lightly. I think it was Paul said that he trembled in fear. And he'd stand before God and give an account for what God had called him to do. That's why I struggle with when a pastor just, well, I'm just here for a little bit. I'm working my way up the ladder. I'm waiting for another big church to call me. It bothers me because you're going to give an account. How concerned are you with the people? Could you imagine if I walked in on Sunday morning, didn't shake nobody's hands, didn't say, hey, I'm glad to see you. I just walked to the pulpit. I sat there while the choir sang. No emotion, no concern. <laughs> just sat there and, and stood up here, told you to give him the offering, sat back down, and just came up here and preached and walked out of here. You'd say, what in the world's wrong with preacher? I know I'm not, a, I'm not an eloquent man. I know I'm not a, a great talker, a great converser. <laughs> Who was I? I was just talking to someone on the phone this week. I'm, I got off the phone. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they think I'm mad at them because <laughs> I'm just awkward on the phone. <laughs> and I literally said, hey, man, I will let you go. I know you got a lot to go on. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but tonight I'm talking about there's no concern there. In essence, tonight, I love, pre I love what I'm doing tonight. I know I'm not hanging from the chandeliers. I know I'm not clapping and slapping and all that kind of stuff tonight. Huffing and puffing. I'm sweating. That's just because I got a suit on. But as much as I love preaching, I think a pastor ought to love pastoring. I've learned in my five short years of pastoring. Preacher, how much have you figured out in five years? Absolutely nothing. Just when I think I got it figured out, it changes. I will say this tonight. I know there's a big hoopla going on tonight. I don't plan on shutting down anytime soon. If you're sick, stay home. Get better. We'll pray for you. Keep your fever and your cooties at the house. But they ain't getting me again. <laughs> Thank God our church came through it. But it's crazy. This ain't got to do nothing with pastoring. I guess it does. <laughs> just not with my sermon. I just seen somewhere that they're bringing in a mask mandate. Back into the college here in Georgia. You know, six months ago they said those didn't work. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sitting over saying COVID's fake. It's not a real. It's not a real virus. You won't get sick from it. There's proof of that in here. In here tonight. There's a reality of that in here tonight. But I've chosen in my heart, I will not live in fear. I will not live in fear tonight. You take just as much risk coming to church, getting on the, on, in your car, coming to church. In essence, what you're going to have to sit down, and I don't know what in the world this has to do with the message tonight. I guess I, I'm just preparing you because it's going it's to be on the news. Real, real, it's amazing, election season, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but you're going to have to make a choice. What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to go through to be obedient to God's word? They got me the first time. Jokers ain't getting me this time. 
Now, if we all get sick, everybody calls me on the same day, preacher, we're not feeling good, we're not, we're not sick, and all of a sudden I get sick, we may not have church. But as far as I'm concerned, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, the doors are going to be open. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, well, 6 o'clock, they'll be open at 6 normally. The doors are going to be open. We're going to go to church. But a watchful man or a pastor, is, a concerned man is a watchful man. Can I say there were some people that went to church here and because of COVID, they haven't been back? They came back for a little bit, but they got comfortable. They got comfortable. And I'll give an account. I'll give an account to God on how I pastor the church and the decisions I make. The Lord might ask me, you really let the media control your thinking? You, you really let the media come before you and, and dictate to you what you're going to do and not my word? Oh, man, we'll stand up and we'll shout about it. Where God guides, he provides, don't he? God wants us here, he'll get us here. He'll protect us. I've read enough missionary biographies that even the worst diseases will miss over you if God doesn't want you to get them. <laughs> Let me ask you, how many Israelites that had blood on their door in Egypt lost their firstborn? Not a single one. We'll just be obedient and trust God. He'll take care of us. And if you're saved by the grace of God, what's the worst that could happen? Go to heaven? Man, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I heard a preacher say this week, talking about compromise. He said, you know there's something better or something greater than, than giving in to compromise? And he said, here's what it is. Being willing to die for what you know is right. That's what Patrick Henry said, right? Give me liberty or give me something close to it. It's not what he said. Give me liberty or give me what? Death. Well, where are them Christians at nowadays? <laughs> you'll give an account. Now, the pastor won't just give an account for how he pastors the church, but you'll give an account for how you'll respond to the pastor's watchfulness, his concern in your life. Can I say one of the most discouraging things as a pastor? It's one thing when I approach you <laughs> and I've misread the situation or I was misinformed. It's a whole other thing when somebody comes to you and they said, preacher, give me your advice or give me your advice about this subject. They come to you and you tell them sincerely, honestly, what you think is best for them. And they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Can I say that's discouraging? It's discouraging as, as a pastor when you pour into your life to somebody and they're like, I don't want that. I don't want that. Listen, if God's giving a man who's watchful and concerned about you, when he comes to you, at least listen to him. At least, you know, listen to what he's telling you. Don't just get a pastor who makes you feel good. Find one who's willing to be concerned with you, your family, and your faith. Who's concerned, who watches for you. And I think it'll be evident tonight if a pastor is concerned with you or not. He's a really concerned man. He's a watchful man. A man ought to be qualified if he's going to be a pastor, but a man ought to be concerned if he's going to be a pastor as well. Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for tonight.